Welcome to Intimacy Choreography and Conversation, where Ann and Carly talk candidly about the growing world of intimacy choreography and shifting performing arts spaces towards a culture of consent. We acknowledge and honor the Tongva peoples as the traditional caretakers of the land we currently reside on and are recording this podcast on. That is the Los Angeles Basin and South Channel Islands. Well, here we are again. Hi, Carly. Hi, Anne. So nice to be back here with you in the virtual recording space. <laughs> We're sharing time, but not space. We that's are how, that's time. how these days. Yes. Very I nice to it. share time with you. Yeah, me too. And happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, all you Scorpio listeners out there. Happy happy season. Happy Scorpio season. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um today we're gonna talk about something that I feel passionate about as we move forward. Um, not only in as individuals, but in the intimacy industry and beyond. And it's a little something called transformative justice. Uh Carly. <laughs> Can you uh, please help us define uh, transformative justice as opposed to restorative justice? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I would love to share some definitions and frameworks. I want to name also that I'm definitely not an expert in this work, uh, but uh, I've been doing some facilitation with some of these principles the last few years, specifically for artistic communities that I'm involved with or adjacent to. Um, And yeah, as we were talking about when we prepared for this, we're both really interested in how this intersects with intimacy work. So um, I I see uh, transformative justice as it's responses to harm and violence that don't involve the state and don't involve a focus on punishment and instead focus more on prioritizing the agency, the healing, and the safety of the person who's been harmed, first and foremost, and then also focus on the accountability, healing, and transformation towards changing behavior of individuals who have caused the harm, and also changing social conditions in communities where harm has happened. And I think how transformative justice is different than restorative justice, they're very similar, but transformative justice um, at least as far as my understanding is, is kind of the next evolution of restorative justice where we're changing the language because we want to be specific because we don't just want to restore people and communities back to the, you know, status quo or previous conditions where this harm was caused. Instead, we want to transform, you know, the survivor into a place of healing and resilience and being supported. The person who's caused harm into a place of accountability and growth so that they don't repeat this and changing the social conditions of communities where this was able to happen. Got it. Thank you so much for that. The clarification uh, and the differentiation between those two. Um, I know that as I move through space and time in, in this particular collection of cells, that I really have to concentrate on making sure that I don't become a part of what is popularly known as cancel culture. And it's really hard to be in a place of forgiveness. Um, and I'm being vulnerable here, but it's it's really difficult to be in a place of transformation uh, in the intimacy industry unless I work on myself first. So um, when we're talking about uh, moving out into our social circles and to pushing uh, intimacy forward, I'm trying to make sure that any pedagogy that I create is embracing and is inclusive and is intersectional from my point of view, yes, but also looking at the way society is 
number one, treating members of the trans community or members of the, the people who are living with a disability or any intersectional kind of existence that is around me, I have to make sure that I'm not only being an assistant and trying to help bring those stories forward, but I'm also not judging people who are not quite there yet and trying to embrace them as well. That's, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think that, I think that in order to do this work externally, we have to practice this work internally. Um, And I'm really interested in these, these same things. I'm just starting to kind of work on my own developing my own intimacy, like pedagogy and practice. And I really want it to include values from transformative justice and, and from abolition. And what you said about like the difficulty of practicing forgiveness just made me think of this, this abolition principle of practicing active forgiveness kind of is not that this is required of everybody who has been harmed in any situation, because there are some things that, that are unforgivable, but just in practicing active forgiveness where we can in our lives is kind of an antidote to treating people as disposable when they cause harm. Um, and, and I know that the world of intimacy, this whole, this whole movement for the entertainment industry has come out of, it was developed because so much harm and violence has been caused. And so mm-hmm. I, I really believe that the greater healing and transformative work that can happen kind of through this movement and these new practices will occur when we don't just always throw away out, you know, and dispose of people and communities that have caused harm, but when the people who have capacity to can work with them to make them understand why this was harmful and violent and, and, help work with them to find a transformation into a new place where this is not going to be repeated. I love that. I love that. And, you know, to do that work, um, I think it's really important. This thing that you said about forgiveness. Um, I was taught a really long time ago that forgiveness isn't necessarily for the person who did harm, but it is for the person who received that harm. And it's for our uh, progression and our development and our ability to let go of what we perceive is an injustice or a pain to move forward in our own lives. And I just think, I just learned that a long time ago, that when we say, I forgive you, it's more for us than it is for a person who may not even accept that you're forgiving or that they've done any harm. Yeah. You know, you hear me yeah. talking, you hear I, me knocking. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. That's, that really resonates. And I don't know, this is such a complex, I think messy topic that almost feels a little bit dangerous to make a definitive statement about. Uh, in a way, if that makes sense, because I I think every situation is so uh, So situational. It's just exactly. And so there's not one formula that that applies. Like I think, and I I really don't want anyone listening to this to to think that uh, I'm saying like, you always have to forgive somebody who who causes harm or no, that, that and and I, you know, personally also reject cancel culture because it's not in alignment with my personal integrity and, and values and just really trying to practice not seeing people as disposable because I think that's an echo of the prison industrial complex where we throw away people who have caused harm. We don't actually heal or fix anything. Um, but I do also want to name that, you know, I I, I know that and have heard feedback that uh, sometimes people rejecting cancel culture can be weaponized. And I know that like call outs and especially online call outs are something that has been developed by has come out of folks not being believed and not having any other platform or voice mm. to share the, their the harm that's happened to them and to warn their community. And so while I personally don't think 
that practice is something that I would choose to engage in um, because social media is very complicated. I also like don't don't have judgment for people who do need to use that as a tool. Does, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And what you know, calling out people, of course, is something that is a very slippery slope. And we've seen that backfire many times. Um, but then there are organizations like Time Out that really have dug deep into making sure that there's a framework around that transformative justice and making sure that visibility is key and that you know, the harm that was happening before timeout is actually sadly still happening. Um, but that calling people forward and moving toward uh, this transformation and really doubling down on creating a system that gives an opportunity for forgiveness and gives an opportunity for communication be- between the harmed and those that would cause harm um, or might cause harm. I mean, no one's a psychic, but, you know, at least there are steps being taken by these big organizations um, to that end, which I think is great. And it it helps the, it helps the intimacy industry. I'd rather call it an industry than a movement, but that's just me. So, I mean, I think we mean very similar things. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I, I, I think, you know, that we can't be harmed by people being attentive to the fact that harm has been caused and that moving through that. And yes, you don't have to forgive. That's not something, there's no peer pressure to forgive anyone who you feel like you're not ready to forgive. Right. Um, I cope but I think we are making steps. Right. Exactly. Um, and give them a, you know, get out of jail free card, literally, um, for their transgressions. But I think there are steps being made in, in the right direction. We're not there yet. Um, but yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. We're, we're in process. We're in, I think a really messy part of the process. And I, I, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, you know, all, all of this lately, just in personal sphere in artistic communities I'm a part of in the world at large but this is and this is just kind of how I'm seeing it right now is that we have we've lived in a society for so long where it's been acceptable for harm to be swept under the rug and so now that finally that is coming to light and to the surface the pendulum is swinging in the the other way it you know but in a pretty far extreme way where I don't want to say like too far but i think it's just collectively maybe we're so hungry for balancing that out that maybe we swing past justice and go towards vengeance in a way Mm. um and that that kind of brings me to this idea of consequence versus punishment and how like justice isn't the same as vengeance and and i think transformative justice is is really about because because it is really a rejection of the prison industrial complex and uh, state sanctioned violence of of police who cause more harm and don't really keep us safe. And so I think it's important to look at like what is what is consequence versus punishment and what is our goal when we are trying to bring to light somebody who's caused harm. And, you know, looking at punishment is kind of a retribution of almost wanting somebody to hurt and suffer for the hurt and suffering they've caused. Whereas a consequence is a consequence of your action is that you lose power and privilege and opportunities because of your harmful actions. And to me, that feels more in alignment of what I work that I hope to do um, in artistic communities with, with intimacy work and, and facilitation and beyond. Um, because I, I think we do, we have to hold people accountable because we have just historically, socially not, not been, especially in the, in the entertainment industry. Um, but that doesn't mean if somebody causes harm, we necessarily throw them away forever. I, I think to me, at least it means that 
they lose some of their power and privilege. They don't get to have that. And it's it's so situational. And, and I, I want to name another thing that transformative justice, I think, is really meant to center the needs of the survivor or the person who has been caused harm and giving them agency over how they want this to to go down um, and what their needs are, what they need to feel safe. Um, yeah. So that they become a part of the conversation and a part of the justice. Uh, I love that. And I love when you were talking about how this pendulum is swinging more toward transformation and restoration, but that we don't want it to go too far over into vengeance. I love that image, you know, um, of this pendulum swing and, you know, in the intimacy world, you know, and even I, you know, I'm thinking about, we see you why, and I'm thinking of, you know, how enough is enough and that we have reached this point of being, so full of the bullshit that has happened that we are now in a system or a situation where people are calling it out and they're saying this needs to change and this needs to happen. Um, which I'm so, so proud of the theater community specifically for, yes. or the BIPOC theater community and friends and allies and accomplices to, to stand up and, and demand change in uh, the sphere of theater. And I feel that intimacy is hand in hand with that desire for change. And it's going to be really interesting to see where intimacy plays a part, not only in the theater complex itself, uh, the theatrical industrial, you know, uh, complex, whatever that means, but, um, (laughs) you know, it's going to be really, really interesting to see where intimacy workers and specialists, choreographers, activists, collaborators, where we all fit into that uh, system of transformation. I'm very, very excited about it. You know, um, I've been speaking with Equity. I've been invited to a couple of SAG-AFTRA meetings to that end, it's still a little white for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know what? At least they know that they're super white. I think one, you know, one may be panicking a little bit more than the other, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, at least there is change in the air. And until we can make sure that all voices are being heard. And I'm not just talking about black folks in intimacy. I'm talking about people living with disabilities. I'm talking about intersectional uh, identity, gender. I'm talking about all those voices need to have a say, Um, or we're just going to make our own fucking table and make our own rules. And that's just how it, and I don't have any vengeance in my heart. It's just, the natural transformation of things. If you don't like your seat at the table, make your own. Oh, absolutely. And I, I really love that you brought up into this discussion, the, we see you white American theater letter. And mm-hmm. I think it is, I think that's such a powerful moment. And I think that this, uh, it, I think call outs, we can, we, we have a chance to reframe, uh, call outs from, a personal rejection or attack to seeing them as a huge act of generosity and care. Like somebody, if you, if you, if you don't have any investment in having further relationship with a person or institution, and you're just like, I don't fuck with you anymore. You're not going to do that. But to tell somebody specifically to address the harm and want to and ask them to change it, I think is is a truly an act of of love and care. Mm. It's an act of investment, and it kind of reminds me in a way of something that I do in in both intimacy and sex ed work of just the reframing of hearing like no or boundaries as like a personal rejection, and instead like we have to practice taking that with grace and be like, oh, it's not about me; it's about the needs of the other person. And so I think we can kind of 
take some of that reframing towards towards call outs and be like, wow, there was so much care and generosity that went into somebody, you know, naming that and telling me or telling a system or people complicit in a system how our behavior is harmful and how we need to change it. Like that, that's, that is a gift. It is a gift. And you know what? I'm, I, I keep coming back to this thing about this pandemic and the toll it has taken on our world is absolutely unprecedented. And I understand that lives have been lost. And I also understand that this has given us this great pause on the planet Hmm. to give us time to really think about where we were headed, which was very harried and stressful and specifically in the arts, you know, stomping over people to just get to the deadline and IATSE members dying because they're working 80 hour weeks and falling asleep at the wheel, going home to their families and working 10 out of 12s. And, you know, these, uh, you know, power dynamics being skewed just because of time, time, time. And one of the things that this pandemic has given us is time. And I, you know, I was watching this beautiful uh, monologue on TEDx Broadway today, um, November 17th. And um, there was a gentleman doing uh, this piece about him being on Broadway and being in uh, the the bio show about Tina Turner and him doing his own one man show at the same time. And how then all of a sudden this, this strange disease started getting more play and he was still just tap dancing as fast as he could and doing all these things. And then it all just kind of stopped. And he said at the end of his monologue, you know, Broadway is never going to come back. Broadway needs to come forward. Wow. And I loved it. It just like blew my mind. And he's exactly right. You know, theater, we can't ever go back to where we were. What we can do is take this opportunity of this pause to figure the fuck out how we can move forward as an industry and take care of one another more. And Yes, have this uh, restorative thing happen, but more importantly, have this transformative yes happen. We can't go back to the way things were. It's impossible. Too much has happened. No. Too much. It's going to be another, you know, eight months, nine months before we get. I don't even know where we're going to get. So I'm not even going to to be in a different place than we are now. Well, we don't want to go back to normal because our previous normal, there was so much harm. And harmful. Yes. Yeah. I, I love, I love this idea when you were saying, um, it's like, it's the gift of the pause right now. It kind of makes me think of like, uh, a, a collective calling of button or pause. A lot of times when I yeah. in intimacy, I invite actors to use the the word pause, um, especially previous to hearing button or which also includes um, a gesture, which I wish I could show you on this podcast, which is very silly, but it's like putting your hands by your face, but with your like fingers in. So you're making your hands this little pause, like you're a little animal pause. Um, very silly and cute. Um, but we are like this this pandemic has made us take a forced collective pause and breathe and be like, whoa, this is not okay. What do we need to change? And it's, it's a lot and it can be, feel really overwhelming, but I really believe that artists are key in doing this because we have such a strong relationship to the power of imagination. And imagination is one of my favorite and most resonant for me personally, principles of abolition. Like if we, which is saying that, if we want a different future, if we're like, we have to imagine it first. Like if you can't imagine a future without police and prisons, then you can't get there. If you can't imagine a future without true 
inclusion and equality and equity and justice in an arts community, then we can't get there. And and as artists, we have such a strong, sacred, powerful relationship to our imaginations. And I think it's really our responsibility to imagine outside of what has been and towards what can be. Ugh. Gorgeous. Imagination for the win. For the win. <laughs> and what I'll add to that is I will say also that there, there is this inescapably beautiful opportunity for us to tap into the ancestral knowledge within us and ask for the right thing to be done through us. Mm. Uh, that's part of the work that, that I will be uh, looking at for, for the development of my pedagogy as well, is that we don't have to carry this trauma uh, or the trauma of a show or the trauma of the words of a playwright or the trauma in life by ourselves. Because we are made up of stardust. We are made up of all the DNA that works through us. And we have that power. It's almost like a superpower, you know? That's right. That we can kind of tap into to help build a new moral ground and to help us do the right thing. You know, so many people are concerned right now with who's in power and, uh, you know, oh, what's happening to the United States and we're so divided. And I have to feel like if we really tapped into that kind of celestial being or beings that know all and see all, that we would be making better choices about our world. Um, I mean, yeah, we did do a space flight this week. So, you know, I don't know what they're building out there in space. What are they building out there? But, um, <laughs> for the time being, most of us are going to be on the planet. So, I mean, I think getting together on this and tapping into what resonates on all of our chakras, on all that vibration to do the right thing and treat people well and not throw people away would serve yeah. us all. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I love this idea of kind of being a, a portal or a channel for, for the strength of our and wisdom of our ancestors. I think mm. that's a really beautiful piece to an essential piece to bring in this work and um i heard this recently i'm not i don't think i'm going to articulate it very well or smoothly but just uh that for a lot of folks uh who are white like whiteness can disconnect us from our ancestors it kind of creates this blanket neutral instead of looking at like oh what is your specific her heritage like for me it's like Jewish, Russian, and Lithuanian, and Italian, and so right? like what what are the actual practices and cultures and uh you know uh, ideals and sp spirituality of those peoples and what they have gone through and overcome and and how do I channel that because that is within me, right? I mean, your ancestors work way too hard on being themselves for us to manifest this, you know, quote unquote white culture. Like what? Right. It's, it's a blank. It's, it's a blank. It's, it's no culture. What is right. white culture? Like it's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it so isn't. And, you know, you bring up this whole, you know, when I think of Russian people, when I think of Jewish people, when I, it's so rich, it's so rich. And then I think of white people and I'm just like. Right, right. It's like we've kind of <laughs> part of the whitenesses. Yeah, 
like robbing ourselves of the richness of our actual culture to yes. get in proximity to this made up power. Yeah, this it's very real. real in our society, yeah, but it, it was it is a construct. And this this is making me think of I saw, oh my gosh, uh tangent. tangent um <laughs> I saw a beautiful show a few <gasps> weeks ago. What? Uh, a so- socially distanced uh it's called A Walk in My Neighborhood by mm-hmm. uh, Katie Lindsay and um, Jess- Jessica Hanna, I believe, directed and or produced it. Um, Queens, Queens of L.A. Theater, love them both. Um, but so so Katie created this audio track. It's called A Walk in My Neighborhood. And you go on a walk that she takes every day during this pandemic in her neighborhood in Atwater Village, Los Angeles. And you know, it starts with just kind of like missing theater and like this is one way to share a piece of her experience through this pandemic that has helped her feel grounded. But then it goes into, oh my gosh, you know, connecting to the complex history of the land in Los Angeles and kind of guiding you to time travel to different points of it, uh, especially around the LA River as it goes through there. And also talking about this personal identity that's lost in whiteness and then there was a moment where there was a masked and distance uh, moment of live music of of um, this incredible, um, I believe, violin player. And she played this song that was connected to her like Jewish Lithuanian ancestry. And it just like opened something inside my soul. And mm. it, it also just reminded me of how resilient and creative artists are that we can still make shared experiences in different ways we just have to think outside of the the literal box of the theater right Mm. now and just how important it is to stay connected to each other um through through all this and to stay connected to why we are artists or why we consume art and why that's so important I love that, you know, and, you know, I always say art is going to art no matter what. (laughs) Yes. You can't stop the art. Cannot stop the art. It's just going to happen. It is go. It is our birthright. Uh, It is is who we are more than any war or battle or weapon. (sighs) We are artists and we are creators. And, um, that's such a beautiful thing that that she did that, and it just made me take a it, Carly. It just really made me take a deep breath, just to think that art manifested through her on a walk through a city where I live, which I didn't really even get to know before this pandemic because I'm relatively new, and so that's an inspiration that that will be there for me when you know. I just quarantine myself or when I am able to. Right. Um, that LA is just one city that has so many beautiful secrets to reveal. Um, and that this artist saw a way to share that in a very intimate way um, with her, with her audience. It's really cool. Oh my gosh. It was so intimate and emotional and intellectual and ultimately like joyful it it made me feel okay in a week where I (laughs) I really needed that and I think that's what that's what we can do with art um so how do we how do we you know close out this episode I think I think we've given people a lot to think about and a lot to look up maybe um Carly if I'm wondering if you have any organizations that you um like to follow that you want to share um or any groups organizations that you want to give a shout out to yeah well the first thing that I definitely want to make sure we include is kind of crediting where the work of like transformative justice, restorative justice and and harm reduction, where these practices came from is from communities who couldn't go to the police or couldn't go or can't go to the police or any, um, you know, state authorities. And so a lot of these practices, especially harm reduction, 
it comes from queer and trans people of color, it comes from sex workers, from folks in the drug trade or drug users, and from survivors of the AIDS epidemic. And so I think it's really important to, uh, when we're engaging with this work in any way, or even, you know, thinking about harm reduction, because I really see intimacy as a practice of, of harm reduction mm. in, in our field, to know the history of who that came from. Um, I think that's a really important thing to honor. We love uh, you. We love you. We stand with you. Um, we're so grateful for your your generations of work that we in sharing the generosity of sharing the wisdom of these practices. Yes. Um, and so, yes, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, just, just inviting our listeners to learn more about that and where this work comes from. Um, and, and I also would love to offer, <laughs> and then I promise I'll share a couple of resources, just this idea no, around offering, offer away, offer, offer away. <laughs> Uh, this idea around harm that every single one of us already has caused harm and has experienced harm. Like this is not, we're humans. And I think a part of this work is that this, and we will continue to make mistakes, to fuck up, to cause harm and to experience harm. And so I, I think that, you know, when we dispose of someone who's caused harm, we're kind of, you know, in a way denying that that exists in ourselves too or it's maybe a fear of that part of ourselves but i think the important thing is when we learn to cause harm that we take or when we learn that we have caused harm that we can take accountability that we can actually apologize with our words and then also with changed behavior that's the that is the truest transformation um so i think it's really important in this work you know, to stay grounded, to, to keep it real and to know that nobody is above that. Like, I think it's really easy, especially on social media to get into this very self-righteous place and to need to jump on the train, um, of optics of how we want to be seen to make sure people see that we're on the good side, quote unquote. Um, yeah, but I think we got to hold that truth that like harm is inevitable for humans and what we can do is reduce it and respond to it with, uh, compassion, with prioritizing the people's needs and agencies who've experienced it. Um, and then also the, taking that other piece really to heart of how can we transform when we learn that we cause harm, um, in intimacy especially because it's such a new field and industry, we will make mistakes. We will not, we are not perfect. Perfectionism isn't real. Perfectionism is a construct of white supremacy and we must reject that. Amen. But we, we're gonna make mistakes when we're doing charged and messy work. And it's just how we handle the mistakes is what's gonna make the difference, what's actually gonna make us grow. Well, and that's the beauty of this work is that, we know or we learn through doing this work just exactly that, that there is no such thing as perfect intimacy work. There's just no such thing. And if we have restoration in our heart and if we can restore a healthy power dynamic and if we can restore uh, the enthusiasm of artists who have been harmed in the past, then we're doing our fucking job. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, this, this kind of the supremacist fear of trauma isn't getting us anywhere. Um, because like you said, we all have caused others harm. So knowing that and moving forward with the understanding that restoring a sense of decency, restoring a sense of enthusiasm, joy, calm, across all intersectionality is vital to our work uh, in the room and also, or, or on set. And it's also vital to our industry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when we're, when we're out there, you know, we're this, again, this industry is so new, the intimacy industry uh, field 
however we want to name it. Yeah, is it's that still so new. We we don't have we don't have all the answers, and so so many of us are learning by doing, which is how I personally yeah. learn to direct, learn to be a sex educator. That's how I learn, learn to, how to be walk. a human. Yes. yes. Learn how to walk, learn yes. how to talk. Yes. Learn how to, I mean, that's what humans do <laughs> by doing, you know? Yes. As, as my partner, Zach, likes to say, learning to art while we're arting, learning to human while we're humaning. Like that you is your that fiance. Is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But that's Sorry. just like how, how it, how we do, that's how we do. And so we have to hold the grace for that and hold the grace that mistakes will be made. Uh, and that we just, we need to be cool about it and be cool about it. Doesn't mean like, right. Oh, it's fine. Whatever. It means like acknowledging it and right. apologizing and changing our, our actions. And then not, in, in transformative justice, thinking about intimacy, it's not just, it's about transforming an individual who causes harm, but it's really also about transforming the community yes. and the, the social uh, standards that have allowed that to happen in that community. So I think intimacy is a, a huge transformative uh, process for for artists, for the entertainment industry and theater and film and performance art and beyond and it's not just about choreography it's so much deeper than that and mm. and it it's about um you know a new framework or philosophy and new priorities and and that's why i think that you know all designers and technicians and stage managers like everybody needs to get on board with this yes um, I agree. I agree because it extends out further than just the rehearsal room or on set. It spreads out into the climate and the community, just like you said, and it can go all the way through to producers and directors and investors and boards. And, you know, it can, it can spread out into a true healing, um, I think at the very fabric, at the at the very threads of our country, if I can be that visionary speakish, um, yeah. you know, I think that our whole country needs restorative justice. We need, you know, I mean, like I said in a conversation the other night with a friend, it's like, I think America needs an intimacy specialist. Yes. <laughs> I for real, for real, for real though, for real though, uh, you know, I mean, in, in just that way that every kind of nook and cranny of our established way of working with one another needs just like a, you know, like how you, you hang a a sheet out on a line and it's, and it's drying in the sun and Mm -hmm. you take it off the line and you just crack it and like shake all the dust off of it before you <laughs> before you fold it it's like this whole country needs just like that crack of you know let's just shake off everything and start anew um yeah it, it's just it's just time for it to happen yeah and it's- and to absolutely oh my god that's such a visceral metaphor i like felt it as you were describing <laughs> right? it and it was very enjoyable um and to zoom back in just a little bit to theater communities. Like I really believe in this, this will actually lead me to a resource. Wow. Yay! Connected. Um, I really believe in microcosms and fractals and that mm. it can feel really overwhelming and to, to be like, how do I fix all of this? Like it's so big in, in our country, in our whole industry. Well, where do we have power or influence is our own personal relationships in our own personal communities, in our own artistic communities. And I think there's a a lot of times when harm, at least that I've observed from the inside and outside, when harm is caused in an artistic community, a a theater company, a film group, you know, it's we kind of go to one extreme or the other. Either it's like swept under the rug or excused because of that person's like brilliant artistic contributions and so we just or you know that they have a kind of a power or um resources that that's needed by the community or 
they're completely thrown out and and disposed of. Um, so like I, I'm really interested in bringing transformative justice to artistic communities and like bringing the whole community together when harm is caused and having space to kind of air grievances to express feelings to look at these wounds and this harm and then to while centering the people who are most vulnerable and the people who are harmed talk about how we want to move forward in a way so this doesn't happen anymore how we want to shift the culture of that community and i think that feels so much more tangible than how do we fix the whole country? How do we fix the whole industry? Because if we all do that in our personal relationships and in our personal communities, it will fractal out. The small patterns will become a larger pattern that echoes them. Yes. Um, I love a good fractal. Love a good fractal. Also just love the word. It's very satisfying to say <laughs> fractal. Uh, my favorite F word, my second favorite F word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, and that is a concept that I got from Emergent Strategy by Adrian Marie Brown. Oh, I got to read that book. person in like a day that is <laughs> this book. Yes. Oh my gosh. Highly recommend. She's, she's a huge influence uh, on my work and um, the podcast that she does with her sister, who is also a uh, social justice facilitator and science fiction writer. Um, it's called How to Survive the End of the World. And that is a resource I highly recommend. They have some really beautiful conversations that are both personal and communal and political and all the things. Um, it, and I've really learned so much from them uh, uh, around social justice work and around transformative justice and these these ideas of uh consequence versus punishment and you know how this how some of this work can look personally look in community look in relationship to the planet uh all the things so i i highly recommend check out that podcast how to survive the end of the world which just feels more and more aptly named <laughs> oh my god I'm adding it completely. That's great. That's great. Uh, that's my that's my favorite offering of resource because uh, you know, as maybe our listeners can tell by our podcast, I love conversation. I think that's a great way to explore things, and um, I love the idea of speaking in draft, which is a phrase I learned recently mm -hmm. from. Uh, the amazing Nicole Brewer's anti-racist theater workshop, which I also cannot recommend enough. Uh, we love um, her. Oh my gosh. A brilliant, brilliant, brilliant being. Um, but just this idea of letting conversation, including in like a transformative justice space or just between people in relation, like we have the grace to speak in draft. We're not the final version of ourselves. Sometimes we got to figure it out while we talk about it. That's so true. It's so true. And it also, you know, kind of negates the whole perfectionist idea. Yes. Uh, we are all in draft. We are all creating as we go. We are all going to learn uh, that maybe things that we thought before weren't exactly what we think now. And <laughs> that's okay. What a beautiful thing it is to decide that you're allowed to change your mind when you learn new information. Like, why, why do we have to hold on to that? We we're not supposed to do that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And that's, that's also, that's such an echo of why I love theater. Cause I think theater is never perfect. Like it's always a little bit different and, <laughs> you know, wonky and in the moment. And that, that's the most beautiful thing to me. So. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. And David, you're beautiful. David, you're beautiful too. And Hazel, you're beautiful. Hazel, you're absolutely beautiful. Oh my gosh. All of our and listeners, you're yeah, beautiful too. We we absolutely believe that you are beautiful. And we have, you know, this is our ninth episode, unbelievably. Um so and who knew it would go this far? We sure didn't. Um but <laughs> but we really appreciate your contributions, your shout outs, your uh, connecting folks to this podcast. And it, I mean, for me, I'm speaking 
um, it just enriches my life to know that that people are are loving these these kind of quirky, weird conversations <laughs> that two intimacy geeks are having um, through this platform. So I just want to take a moment to to say we hear you. And we believe in you and we absolutely think it's kind of cool that you listen to us. So yeah, seriously. Um, spread the word if you can um, and uh, just keep listening. Yeah. Thanks for being in community with us. And it, it's so meaningful personally and helpful um, when, when you share this resource. So yeah, it is. Take care of yourself. Yeah. It, take care. And, uh, We'll be back. We will be back. Yeah, it's almost the holiday season. Like, goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness. When what is I, time? I know. I know. We we don't know when when uh, when we'll be back, but it'll be soon. We promise. Yeah. And we'll let you know. We'll, we will. We'll, we'll stay <laughs> in communication. And we're hoping that Hazel will maybe be able to drop some more resources um, into the place where she drops those resources. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Show notes. Show notes. Show notes. Show okay. notes. Uh, yeah, the show notes. Show notes. She will drop those in the show notes um for y'all. But yeah, Carly, other than that, I'm 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 so good. I'm so good. Me too. I it's always it always is very grounding and recentering and inspiring to talk to him. Oh, don't make me cry at the end of the episode. Thank cry. you. <laughs> you look so good. Express. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I feel the same. If you, yes, you listening right now, have any questions about intimacy choreography, direction, consulting, or just the intimacy field in general, please send them to our email, which is the letters I C I C dot Anne and carly at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram at the letters i see i see underscore Anne and carly where we will be posting info about upcoming episodes and other intimacy related tidbits and as usual we'd also like to pop 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 our sound designer editor and otherwise extraordinary person David Gonzalez and pop 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 to our wonderful producer Hazel Lozano music by David Gonzalez the podcast logo is by Zach Brown pop pop <laughs>